Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Bomb Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton. College athletics is an often discussed topic on this podcast, and for good reason. It provides a bevy of interesting topics, it's continually evolving, and many of our listeners have an enormous interest in all things college sports. One area of college athletics we'd love to explore is the engine that makes college athletic departments tick, and all the amazing people that bring college sports to life. People like our guest today, Jacob Pavalik. Jacob is the Associate Director of Athletic Communications at Northwestern University. The West Virginia native is a communications contact for men's basketball and women's lacrosse at Northwestern, working with both programs during historic seasons in 2023. He was previously the Assistant Athletic Communications Director at the University of Arkansas, where he worked with the Razorbacks football and softball teams. Jacob has also stepped in the booth for the SEC Network and the Kent State Sports Network, broadcasting the Golden Flashes as one of the youngest full-time network announcers in the country. Jacob is a two-time graduate of Kent State University with a Bachelor's in Science and Aviation Management in 2017 and a Master's of the Arts in Sports and Recreation Management in 2019. It's always such a pleasure to have people that work in athletic departments that give us such great insight into all the inner workings that go into making college sports what they are today. So we hope you all enjoy Austin's conversation with Jacob Pavalik. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's the summer, it is your time off, and I appreciate you making time for us. Just to kind of kick it off, we've worked together. I'm grateful to call you a friend, but talk to me a little bit about the beginning of your your college athletics career, because I know it's something that happened pretty organically when you were a student at Kent State. Yeah, Austin, thanks for having me on. Um, It kind of happened a little bit by accident. Um, So I went to school at Kent State in Ohio, and I went there Uh, to be an airline pilot. I wanted to be an airline pilot. It was one of the few schools that had a professional flight degree. So I went to Kent State, um, but I had some experience in radio from my time when I was in high school because my high school had a student-run radio station. So I would call basketball and football games while I was in high school, and I thought it'd be a great way to make some extra money. When I was in college, I went into the AFCOM office at Kent State, said, hey, I could do, you know, public address or radio or whatever. So I started doing PA announcing for women's soccer, field hockey, and volleyball as a freshman, and then just started to continually grow my career in what I was doing. And I didn't even know I wanted a career uh, in college athletics at that point. I was doing it because it was so much fun. So I started building it through that. I did radio play-by-play for men's basketball. I did sideline reporting for football, uh, a full gamut of things. I was uh, a sport contact for men's basketball for a point, women's soccer, softball, you name it. So I really got started from the ground at Kent State. Yeah, as I said, you know, as somebody who's had the pleasure of working with you, I think I you, you captured it perfectly. One of the things that makes you so good at your job is you are kind of a jack of all trades. And I remember your first day at Northwestern, even before your first day, we were at a basketball game. And I think you were, you were supposed to be shadowing our colleague, Paul Kennedy. And there was some issue with the stats software and you just jumped in and started running stats at a big 10 basketball game, like three days before your official start date at Northwestern. And I think that attitude to me that attitude is kind of like the essence of athletic communications. Are there any other examples of pinch hitting like that that kind of come to mind from your career? 
maybe not at that short of notice. Uh, I've been called upon to do radio or, or public address for a myriad of different events. Um, but when I was at Kent State and I was a grad assistant there for softball, I would do radio play-by-play, public address, and social media all at the same time. And that's that's common at a lot of smaller smaller schools. Uh, maybe not all group of five schools, but at Kent State, we had to be a little more nimble when you had to become kind of an expert in a bunch of different areas and be serviceable in a bunch of different areas. So at the end of the day, that really helped me now. I have some experience in a lot of different avenues. Okay, logistically, how do you do a radio broadcast while also doing PA? Don't you have to like step away from like calling the game to announce like who's batting? Like what does that what does that even look like? So I had a headset mic that I would use for the radio call. So I would be talking about, you know, so-and-so gets a base hit, whatever, runner's on first and second, there's one out. And then I would flip up the microphone on my headset, and then I'd pull over a wireless mic and then announce the next hitter. And so the people on the radio, we were on an iHeart radio station uh, in Akron, Canton, Kent area. And then you would hear the next name, you know, be announced in the public address of who's hitting. And then you just flip the other mic back down your headset mic and you just call the game, you know, so-and-so steps to the plate, even though you just announced over public address that they were coming up to hit. That's unbelievable. And people don't realize how big the Cleveland metro area media market is. So happy to inform folks. It's a populated area. That's a big job. (laughs) Well, I know one of the things people always talk about college sports is that it's a small world. And I think you're a perfect example of that as somebody who's worked at Kent State, Texas State, Arkansas, and now here at Northwestern. When you first got to Evanston, what kind of stood out to you about Northwestern that makes this athletic department so unique? I'm not sure if it stood out to me right at the jump. Um, But one thing is, if you're interested in something, you are able to pursue that at Northwestern. If you want to get better at something or gain more experience, there's an avenue to be able to go and do that. I think we let our people that work here flourish in what they want to do. I think that's something that doesn't really happen in a lot of other schools, especially not at other Power 5 schools. Uh, sometimes you can get siloed into certain sports or certain roles, and that's all you do. Uh, but at Northwestern, let's say you're interested in, in doing, you know, B1G Plus games. There's an opportunity for that uh, to be on air. Public address, there's an opportunity. If you want to work with different teams, different sports, you know, whatever the case may be, you want to do video, do photo, there is a way to better yourself, and everybody always pitches in here. That's one thing that at Northwestern that is that is different than a lot of other places where if you need help with a game or an event, you have a big week with multiple sports and a crossover season, there's always somebody here that's willing to help. Well, so much of your job seems like storytelling, whether it's the the radio broadcasting and the PA work that you talked about or something I have asked you about probably a dozen times, which is a video you were involved in during your time with Arkansas football. I think the only way to describe it is the Arkansas football team's social media account took a Thomas the Tank Engine inspired shot at Old Miss, which is very common throughout SEC football, especially. How does something like that come together from the moment somebody on your creative team floats the idea to the moment you hit send on that social media post? Well, I don't think it's all that complex. I think you just go in with it with the week of, okay, 
we're, you know, we're going to prepare to beat this team. In this case, it was Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. His first year there it was COVID year. Um, how can we meme them? That could be, you know, Texas, Ole Miss, whoever. How do we meme them? And so it just came together uh, while he's called the Lane Train, you know, Lane Kiffin. Well, okay, we'll use a Thomas the Tank Engine video of Thomas crashing into a ditch. And then at the end of the video, you know, there's Sam Pittman, Kendall Bryles, Barry Odom, the two coordinators and the, and the head coach with just music blaring in the background. You know, I, I really don't even know how that came to be. It just happened so organically. It's just like you're talking around your office. Oh, wouldn't it be funny if we did this? Sure. Let's go ahead and do it. If, if we think it's funny, odds are the fans will think it's funny and it becomes engaging. Definitely. Well, you know, in the last year, you've been immediate contact for a Northwestern men's basketball team that made their second ever appearance in March Madness and a Northwestern women's lacrosse team that won a national championship. I know you've been doing this work for a while, as I said, at a number of different schools, but is there anything that you learned over the past 12 months about your job and how to do it well? I wouldn't... uh... What I've learned is this, you have to hit the highs. Whenever there's a team doing well, um, and especially in the Chicago market, when you know Northwestern falls a little bit beneath uh, some of the pro teams in the city, Cubs, White Sox, Bears, especially whoever, um, in terms of coverage. Well, whenever you have a team that is that is doing well, like men's basketball this year and lacrosse was this year, you have to go full speed ahead for media coverage. Um, get anyone you can out to practices, out to games, and really leverage the team having success because that's really when people want to see is they want to see a team having success going to the NCAA tournament in basketball, winning the national championship in lacrosse. Uh, you just really have to go for it all um, and grind every day to try to get more coverage, different ideas, different ways to storytell because that's when your audience is the most captive, when a team is winning is the most interesting the most fun to follow for a fan. So how can we build a fan base, especially uh, when these two teams are winning at that type of level? Yeah, and I think Northwestern basketball is a perfect example because, you know, we've talked about how at the beginning of the 2022-23 season to the end, the, the media attention and the media coverage for that team looked dramatically different. So, you know, just looking at... Uh, a week from that season when, okay, the conference tournament ends and you don't know where you're going to be headed for March Madness. You know, Northwestern is going to be in the tournament, but you don't know where you're going. I mean, what does that week look like from the moment Sacramento pops up on selection Sunday, you're headed out West to, you know, the moment you're courtside for games against Boise state and UCLA. So just the way the schedule fell this year with the big 10 tournament. So, we unfortunately lost in that tournament to Penn State. So I knew, okay, that was on a Friday night. So I had Saturday to sort of build up some materials, some notes, some quick facts, some other type of media public relations uh, items to get ready for Sunday and for wherever we will end up uh, in the tournament. Um, and so the most important thing in that stretch is to just be prepared. So you find out Selection Sunday, you know, you really don't know. I know a lot of people think that these teams might know where they're going. You really don't know until it pops up on CBS of where you're headed. You can speculate, but more often than not, 
you're wrong, it seems like. So you find out on CBS that you're going to Sacramento. Then from that day on, it's how can we leverage our fan engagement to Sacramento? How can we get some fans, some alumni, uh, get as much attention on Sacramento as possible? So then you have Sunday, you're selected. The next day you do an early week media availability for your local reporters in Chicago. Uh, you'll have some calls to set up with uh, Turner CBS announcers so they can uh, talk to the head coach and talk to some players um, and get that all sorted out because really you have to think about it from an NSA tournament perspective for the media. They really don't cover you until that tournament. And their goal is to just essentially introduce you to the nation because yes, people are watching Northwestern games on BTN and on FS1 on Fox, but they're not as tuned in to Northwestern basketball as the people watching on this platform. So the national audience hasn't been introduced to Northwestern basketball just yet. So really the week leading up to when you play your first NCAA tournament game is how can we introduce the nation to your team, to the Boo Booies, the Chase Audijas, the Chris Collinses? How can we introduce those people to a national audience so that they will root that they'll care about Northwestern? And then just in terms of media attention, I mean, you had like Brad Nessler calling those games and other national media covering Northwestern, as you said, often for, for the first time all year. I know you have relationships and contacts that you develop and maintain throughout a season, but when you're meeting folks from like CBS in California for the first time, how do you kind of approach really the, the, the media contact part of your job? So you always want to be personable and be a good face for the program, be a good face for the university, and uh, just be very personable with any any newer media members that, that you may see out in California or wherever. Um, and my philosophy is the national media, like any media, they want to do their job to the best of their ability. So how can I help arm them to do their job to the best of their abilities? So they find out much like we do on Selection Sunday, where they'll be headed, which teams that they will see. So they might have to prepare for four teams in half a week when they're getting ready for those games. So how can you arm the CBS announcers and the TNT announcers wherever, how can you arm them with the most important information in a clear and concise way to best represent your program on national TV? And they seem to appreciate that and you're personable, you know, you share with them any interesting stories of what the team has done throughout the course of the year. And then you'll just slowly build those connections uh, when you're out there at the site, because you'll see these people, these folks every day that you're out there. And then that's how you kind of build uh, your relationship with them. I'm going out of order chronologically a little bit here, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Purdue game and being the number one team in the country okay. in, in court storming. And I think it reminded me of something that Zach Wingrove talked about, one of your colleagues in Northwestern Athletic Communications, when he he basically said that one of the keys to, to doing this work is capturing moments. And you don't know when those moments are going to happen because that's the best part about sports. But when you beat the number one team in the country on Super Bowl Sunday, I mean, that's got to be just a crazy 24 hours in terms of capitalizing on, okay, Chase Adige 
hits a shot in the corner. That's instantly an iconic Northwestern moment. And then you've got interviews and media requests. I mean, did you have anything in your experience in athletic communications to draw on when you approach that? Or was that a learning experience in itself? I would say you draw back on all of your experiences previously. I'm not sure if there's been any one culminating moment quite like that game when you're down, what was it, eight points, you know, with less than five minutes left or four minutes left. And then all of a sudden, Chase Adige goes on this amazing 10-point run in like two minutes, and all of a sudden you have the lead. Like in the blink of an eye, you were down, and then you have the lead. I'm not sure if I've had a, a situation before where it's been that, dramatic of a turn of events but i just tried to go back on my previous experience working with arkansas football and some of the larger games that we had the chance to win a couple years ago going to lsu winning in overtime okay how do we maximize that exposure and you kind of at least for me i didn't really think a whole lot it's just you just neatly go and do getting people for tv making sure social media is ready having to arm yourself with videographers and photographers and running traffic cop on kind of what gets posted to social media, but be there, be together. And just, you've been working together all year. So at that point of the year, when it was February, you kind of have a good system in place. And then at that time, that's why you get your system ready in November and December in the non-conference. So whenever February or March comes and you have an amazing school history book type win like that, you're ready to go and your training, your experience from earlier is already ready to go for that big moment. Especially working in, I think it's an era of like unprecedented uh, student athlete empowerment, you know, in your work with Northwestern Women's Lacrosse, you had a player on that team in Izzy Skein, who like, let's be honest, is one of the best women's lacrosse players in the world right now. I mean, you're heading to LA later this summer because she's nominated for yet another award. What is it like to to work with, but also spotlight a player who is kind of transcendent in that way and is the, the face of the team and a sport for a lot of people? Well, my philosophy is it's easy. She's done it everything herself. I mean, she's an amazing player, amazing student athlete, amazing person. I mean, she table set that for herself, for all the national coverage. I can just kind of help her out and help her schedule things, run traffic cop, and help her be available to the media for those type of events, and then showcase her to the Northwestern fans that might not be tuned in for lacrosse, let's say, back in March or February when basketball is rolling. But then later in the year, they will pick up on the lacrosse train, on the skein train, and then follow the team you know, through and into the postseason, into the national championship. Um but working with Izzy, you know, it's it's amazing that we get to watch our student athletes and especially those types of student athletes like Izzy that are just at the absolute top of the sport. I'm not sure there's another student athlete at Northwestern right now that that is at that true level of the sport where she is the clear cut number one player in the world, maybe, like you said, especially in college, but maybe in the world of that sport. It's pretty incredible. I think it's funny because a couple of years ago, working in athletic communications, I think you heard a lot more about the importance of media training athletes and coaches and making sure that they're comfortable talking to the media and representing themselves, the program, the university. It almost seems like because 
there's so much access now and behind the scenes access on social media with student athletes and with coaches that might be less of a priority. Do you still find yourself talking to student athletes and coaches and having those conversations about, okay, here are the questions you can expect at this point in the season, or here's what you can expect from like this media outlet, for example. It it might not be as big of a pillar um, as it used to be just simply because student athletes have the platform to talk to anybody they want to at any time through their social media channels, you know, Instagram, Twitter, wherever, um, they can reach anybody that they want to. So they have the opportunity to have that platform at all times. So we still do uh, talk with some of our student athletes, kind of the best practices uh, in terms of, of TV or, or media, whenever they're talking to you. Uh, for example, I'm going to be talking with members of the men's basketball team later today as they come in for summer workouts about some things you can expect uh, from the media. And really, I try to keep it as simple as possible. You know, always talk positively about uh, your coaches and your teammates. Um, Talk positively about your opponent and be nice to officials. That's really, those are the big three things. And for the most part, if you follow those big three keys, you'll be fine and and you'll feel comfortable. We still do talk about, you know, how to be comfortable in front of a camera, you, you know, how to be confident speaking. But just in terms of if there's a tough question that is asked, if you kind of follow those three uh, guidelines, typically, you know, it's good things happen or, or you know, you'll be fine and, and you'll feel like you gave a good answer. And then I think in your relationship with coaches, I mean, you know, you work with Chris Collins with men's basketball and Kelly Amante Hiller with lacrosse who've been in the spotlight in their respective sports for decades now. But I guess as somebody who got here less than two years ago, how have you kind of approached building a relationship with head coaches who are extraordinarily busy, but also it's very important that you guys have a a strong working relationship. I just try to be present uh, with, with the coaches and with their team, but whether that be a practice, be at games, um, I try to build a relationship with the student athletes so that they know who I am and kind of what I do or how I help the team a little bit or how our department can help the team. Um, but really, you learn a lot about other people and, and build relationships on the road. There's nothing like being on the road with the team, whether it be men's basketball or lax. You're on the road with, with, with somebody, with the whole team for a couple of days, maybe for a week. And it can really help the relationship go along. Um, but I, I just try to be a good person, be myself, uh, show that I'm invested in their sport, that, that, you know, obviously I want their team to win, to have success on the field or the court. And I think that's a great way to build relationships and just to show how hard of a worker that you are. You're always be there for them. If they need help with something, um, I try to be myself, really, and let those relationships just blossom after that. I think it's important, you know, not to to sugarcoat how challenging and demanding this job can be at times. You know, in our friendship, I've seen you take work calls at a bar, or, you know, have to go home early on the weekend because something comes up with one of your teams. What keeps you coming back despite all the challenges and the demands on your time? I don't know. Being sick in the head, maybe. Um, I just love it. I, I, I can't explain it. There's something in you uh, 
if you're doing this job, I, this this might not be the most like politically correct answer, but there's just something in you, whether it be the competition, the relationships. Um, I I just love it being involved in all the games, and and, and being involved with these teams, these these programs, this department. Um, I you know, like you said, you get some random requests at odd hours. You might be on call. You know, weekends, late nights. You have games that might tip off at nine o'clock local time and you're not home until two o'clock in the morning, whatever the case may be. It's, you know, you want to experience that high of beating Purdue at home or going on the road uh, then say tournament. It's just, it's just intoxicating. You just want to be involved in it, at least for me. I mean, that's, that's why I do it. I just can't, I can't stay away. And I don't know why. I just don't know why, but I think there's just something in you, even with all of the you know late night calls or requests that you just you just love ball you love sports absolutely and it reminds me of something from conan o'brien's podcast where he talked about in in his career in comedy and late night tv anytime you can take something that should probably be treated and make it your career and make it your, your passion you're doing pretty well so I, I can't believe you brought that up because i thought i was going to be the first person to use the word sicko on this podcast, but it's a term that in college sports refers to games where maybe it's the teams that are playing, it's the stadium, it's the conditions, something is off. And yeah, I think there are literal Twitter accounts like dedicated to documenting and cataloging these games that we're both fans of. I call it maybe like the bad pizza of the sports world. You're still going to watch it, but it's not great. What makes a perfect sickos game in college sports? Now that is a difficult question. I would say it has to be played at some location that seems completely random. Like these two teams should not be playing here. I think that adds to it. So a lot of bowl games that might be played in baseball stadiums, they would classify as a quote, like a sicko game. Um, teams that are in different conferences that maybe don't meet up very often. I mean, there, there's a lot of different things. The weather could, you know, could apply if it's snowy, if there's for football, there's mud everywhere on the field. Um, you root for the odd. That's essentially a sickos game. You root for the odd. I think that's as good a definition as we're ever going to get. We're just kind of to, <laughs> just to start wrapping it up. Hopefully some of the folks who are listening to this podcast are students and are, our master's of sports administration program here at Northwestern. I know that's a degree that you hold from your time at Kent state. So looking back, is there anything that you wish you had known about athletic communications when you were a grad student? That's a really good question. Uh, going back to when I was a grad student, I was at a more mid-major school. I was able to get my hands on a lot of, different pieces like we talked about with doing softball games, you know, by yourself, doing public address radio and social media at the same time. And we had some nationally televised basketball games through ESPN2 or CBS Sports Network, but we didn't really have, um, you know, consistent national coverage of BTNs here every single game. And you have BTN with all their ancillary programming. I didn't know as much about TV networks and how to build relationships there as I thought I did when I was in grad school. That's very important, in my opinion, uh, 
the way college athletics are now. You see these conferences like just like the Big Ten welcoming in USC, UCLA, a lot of that uh, being done on the TV side of things, how important that is. And here at Northwestern, through the MSA program, you can learn how to build those relationships with some of the TV partners, learn how to help those networks present the games on a national audience to the best of their ability. I really didn't know a whole lot about that uh, when I was at Kent State. I didn't really know a lot about how to really draw a lot of national attention to a program until it got to, let's say, the NCAA tournament. So Kent State, we had a lot of teams make the NCAA tournament, but we didn't necessarily have coverage throughout the year, let's say, like here at Northwestern, on BTN every single game. So I just think that of kind of learning uh, when you're in grad school about how more of a, of a national audience uh, follows your team on, on a game by game basis. I really didn't know a whole lot about that when I was, when I was in uh, grad school. Um, that's a great answer. And, and I was lucky enough to take advantage of opportunities to, to work in, in your department in athletic communications when I was in the master's program at Northwestern. What are some of the opportunities for students that there are to contribute in athletic communications? I know you guys are always looking for, for help in various capacities. What are some things that students can kind of learn and get experience with your team over in athletics? Well, I'd say the main way to to gain some knowledge about this is just to have the experience. So being around the game, like I said, I went to undergrad for aviation. So I did something completely different, but I feel like at least in athletics, you can build up your experience, build up your knowledge just by being around games and learning how things come together. So there are a number of different ways uh, to get involved at, athletic communications over here at Northwestern. Um, we always look for people that are really interested in the nitty gritty of sports, right? Like you watch a game on TV and you see a stat about the all time series history or about some streak that somebody is on. Um, we're always looking for, for students that are interested in sports nuggets and information like that, that can help provide that to TV because a lot of those little facts and stories that come up, on TV come from this department here at Northwestern. So we're always looking for student workers that would like to build game notes, uh, work with uh, TV networks in that capacity, and also write recaps and be on social media and how to share our story at Northwestern with as many fans as possible. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Selfishly, as a Northwestern fan, I feel like we're, we're lucky to have you, but professionally, you make this this place better, and these teams are lucky to have you. So thank you for, for joining us today, man. I really appreciate it. Well, Austin, that means a lot coming from you, and thanks for having me on.